Welcome to Inside New Mexico. I'm Derek Underhill, and I'm talking with our chairman of the Republican Party of New Mexico, former congressman of the 2nd Congressional District of New Mexico, Steve Pierce. Steve, how are things looking this week? Well, they're looking uh, the same in Hobbs as they are across the nation. We're really seeing what national fear does, and there is fear that this is going to spread into a pandemic, and so prudent action then calls for entire industries to shut down, not just individual businesses, but entire industries. And so that's the big question is how long is this going to last? The U.S. Senate, when we're talking about $500 billion stimulus, then it jumped to $1 trillion, And now then I'm hearing either 2 or $3 trillion. And that's how I think frightened that the elected officials are, both in the U.S. Senate and the U.S. House. And of course, Nancy Pelosi is saying that she doesn't agree with everything the Senate is doing, the Senate led by Republicans and she being the Democrat in charge of the House. So they're going to make their own bill. Now, when these huge packages pass, a billion, a hundred billion, one trillion, always there's room for lots of mischief. So the details will come out over the weeks, but we will see. My hope is that if they're going to keep people off of work, that we've got to be getting paychecks to them, that let's hit it hard. If there's going to be a pandemic or the risk of one, let's stop things just like President Trump is doing right now, but let's stop it and get the worst over so that we get this economy started back up again. People just can't pay the rent. They can't buy groceries if they don't have a job. And many people are being told not to report to work. So get the stimulus out to where people can make their rent payments, where they can live. And then let's control this uh, disease, whatever medical procedures are necessary, then get the, the country back on its feet. I have a concern that uh, the Democrats are complaining that we may be giving money to big corporations and well, uh, or corporations yeah, and, at all. And that's a, what they are pointing out is something they use as a political fear all the time. But if Boeing goes broke, then Boeing takes with it hundreds and even thousands of small businesses that supply them. The same thing if GE goes broke. I'm not a fan of either one of these. I'm not a fan of corporate bailouts. But right now we're talking entire industries. The airline industry is shut down. The food industry is shut down, restaurants. So if the Democrats persist in this, they will watch small businesses be decimated across the country. Now, there is always the opportunity that only the big businesses get bailed out, and I would definitely oppose something that just focuses on big business. Small business is the backbone of America's jobs. Small business is the backbone of America's economy. And so everything that is done for the bigger companies needs to be done even in greater amount for the individual private ownership companies that are held locally. If you work as an airplane mechanic, you're wanting them to help out uh, American airlines because that's who writes your paycheck. We're finding this best economy on earth. And then all of a sudden, within a matter of weeks, we're going to see pretty well skyrocketing unemployment. And we see the prospect of bankruptcies. And so I think that the president is offering good leadership. If you're going to shut down, then you got to provide an answer. We can't 
bankrupt every business and every homeowner in the country. And so what are we going to do? And that's where the president has called his team together. They're using the best minds in the large corporations in every industry in America to solve this problem. And I think that's his background as a business guy showing through. Many times uh, you only get political leaders talking to other political leaders. This president is invoking the help from all industries. And so that's, to me, a stunning display of his leadership. Well, and as we record this on uh, March 22nd, uh, we see the uh, American Entrepreneur, apparently a company in California, has come out with a test for coronavirus that you can determine whether you have it or not in 45 minutes rather than sending it to a lab and waiting 48 hours. So American industry, they are amazing and have been since the country started. And that's the reason this nation has always been a leader in economic factors that affect uh, everyone throughout this globe. So I'm interested as we're talking about doing what we can to get things to the market quicker, Democrats are beginning to sound much like Republicans. The Democrat governors across the nation, and again, I salute them, but they're saying, okay, we've got to deregulate this. We've got to take the regulatory handcuffs off this industry so they can get more of the respirators. We've got to take the economic, political handcuffs off of this industry so they can start manufacturing more. We've got to shorten the timeline so we, we want less bureaucracy in the timeline. I find it amazing that Democrats are finding religion here about the idea of less government government and more private business, but you're making the point very well. We'll never know, but if the president hadn't been so quick to put in the travel ban from China and Europe, we might be in a lot worse shape than we are now. Before we end this segment, Derek, I did want to talk about a article that came out on Fox Business back at the end of February of this year. And basically, it's making the point that the U.S. Energy Information Administration just announced some spectacular news that should be headlines everywhere across the country, but of course, no one is writing about it. And that is that the price of natural gas has fallen to its lowest level in 20 years. If you take a look at that, what that tells us is the free market is working very well. Many political leaders, even including President Bush's administration, President Bush too, when I was serving in Congress, his Secretary of Energy said that drill was a four-letter word and we can't drill our way out of this problem. Well, this price of natural gas is showing that we've done exactly that. Also, the price of oil is showing that we've done that. Now, what other product can you point to and say it costs 80% less than it did 15 years ago, and especially an essential product like something to heat your home with. So this success in the market, though, is being downgraded and ridiculed by many on the left who saying, well, we still need to regulate it because it's damaging wind and solar. Well, the free market says that the consumer is going to use the one that's best for their pocketbook. Government leaders can't tell you what is best for you. They don't know. You know what's best for you. And uh, consumers are using more of the natural gas and demanding less of the wind and solar, which is vastly more expensive. I would guess it's probably in the range of 10 times the cost now of natural gas since we've hit this new low. So all of this goes together and fits together in this idea that New Mexico is going to be drastically short of cash in the very near future because they base their budget on the price of natural gas and on the price of oil, and both are at historic lows. And so I'm joining with the state's 
Republican leadership in the House and the Senate calling for a special session and call for it sooner rather than later because we're going to have to make adjustments. And that's good news for the consumer. So amid all the bad news, the oil and gas industry is providing good news that your price of gasoline is going to be less. The price to heat your home is going to be less. If you use natural gas in your manufacturing, you're going to be able to make a greater profit on your products. And so good news amid all the dreary dark news of the coronavirus. So again, we find ourselves in the midst of a terrible economic crisis, a terrible medical crisis, and we're doing the best we can. But hang on, it's going to be a wild ride during the next three to four months. Yeah, no way of telling what the future holds. We do know, though, that we will be back in just a moment with Representative Greg Nybert on Inside New Mexico. On behalf of the New Mexico Department of Health, take COVID-19 precautions. Wash your hands frequently for 20 seconds. Don't touch your face. Use a tissue or your elbow to catch your sneeze or cough. Avoid large gatherings and close contact with sick people, especially if you are elderly or high risk. If you have a cough, fever, or shortness of breath, stay home from work or school. Do not go to the ER or doctor's office without first calling the coronavirus hotline. And avoid all unnecessary out-of-state travel. Help prevent the spread of COVID-19. Welcome back to Inside New Mexico, and I am talking with the chairman of our Republican Party of New Mexico, Steve Pierce. And Steve, as we told our listeners, we have a guest on the line. We do have a guest, Derek, uh, Representative Greg Nybert from Chavez County, longtime friend of mine. And I just think that he's one of the best members of our House of Representatives in New Mexico. Greg, welcome to the program and tell people where you're from and uh, when you first ran for office. Tell a little bit about your background. Well, thank you, Mr. Chairman. I was born and raised uh, here in southeast New Mexico. I was actually born in Roswell. I grew up in Clovis, New Mexico, and after uh, attending UNM and, and then law school for three years in California, I came back to Roswell, New Mexico, to do my professional career being a natural resource lawyer. was very fortunate to get in connection with a former legislator, Lewis Cox, who was a legislator from Clovis and then a lawyer from Roswell, had a firm, actually it turns out to be one of the oldest firms in New Mexico, the Hinkle Law Firm, and found a place here in Roswell and have been here ever since uh, graduating law school. I made it my home and my boys were raised and, and graduated from here and you, you know one of them pretty well. He clerked for you for a while and have been an oil and gas lawyer since 1983. Got into politics early on and had kids and started coaching their little league baseball and, and basketball and, and other sports. And then after they kind of got older, then I kind of gravitated back into politics and, and actually served, as, as you'll recall, as chairman of the Chavez County Republican Party when you made your first run for Congress back in 2002. And then from there, uh, became a county commissioner. And, and then when Nora Espinosa vacated her seat to run for secretary of state, I ran for her house seat and have been serving House District 59 for the last four years. Well, that's impressive background. I will tell you that working with kids like your son was really one of the highlights of my time in Congress. We would bring these New Mexico kids, and sometimes they worked in the state, and then sometimes we brought them into D.C. to work on projects, and it really gave them a taste of what the U.S. Congress is about, what the roles of our 
congressional representatives should and could be. My hope is always that it set them on a pathway to where 20, 30 years from now, they'll be elected leaders themselves. Now, you've been a lawyer in the oil and gas business since 1983. Tell us a little bit about the kind of work that you did and the kind of impact that it has on the everyday citizen. Well, the things that I do are not that glamorous. It's not L.A. law or what you see on TV. I basically sit behind a desk and I read documents that have been filed in the county clerk's office that are a public record, and I am called upon to render an opinion to primarily oil and gas companies to tell them whether they have the legal right to enter the land and commence their drilling operations for oil and gas. Over my career, uh, it's largely been focused on oil and gas title work, but uh, I have been involved in a number of administrative issues including conflicts between the oil and gas industry and the potash industry. Also was involved in several of the endangered species issues and and efforts by the federal government to limit where oil and gas companies could drill due to concerns over endangered species. So what issues have you found to be the ones that you concentrate on in your service in the legislature, Representative? Well, being on Judiciary Committee, we get to see about a third to half of all the the bills that come up. Of course, in the 30-day session, that's largely budgetary items, so we don't see as many. But most of the issues that uh, really raise a lot of concerns by the public end up going through judiciary. So I get to see a lot of those bills firsthand and have an opportunity to weigh in on those. So it's a variety of things from criminal reform to we've heard the abortion bills, we've heard the euthanasia bills, we've heard all the voting bills. It's pretty amazing the diverse nature of the legislation that comes through that committee. So most of my time spent working on the committee's work and reading legislation as it comes up. Certainly my personal interest is tied to the oil patch and and tied to this part of the state, and that's certainly my realm of expertise. You were able to vote on the red flag law during this session, so tell me how you voted and then tell me what eventually happened to that bill. Well, the red flag bill, uh, again, is just another one of a number of pieces of legislation that we've seen the past several years on trying to restrict individuals' Second Amendment rights. And I certainly voted against the passage of that bill and have consistently voted against any bill that tries to restrict our Second Amendment rights or, frankly, any other constitutional rights for that matter. Yeah, I appreciate your leadership in these issues and not just the red flag bill and the the other gun issues, but also in the abortion cases. Now, one of the things that most listeners are worried about is a crime. How do you come down on this question of whether it's the judges or whether it's the police or just nobody's at fault? We just are a home to a criminal base of people out there. So how are you interpreting this entire crime problem in New Mexico? Well, it's very interesting how the different parts of the state perceive and deal with crime. I serve on the Judiciary Committee, which has amongst its members a number of individuals who who are from the Albuquerque metropolitan area, and I hate to throw everyone in the same boat, but largely the metropolitan area, the larger Rio Grande Corridor area, views crime 
views criminal activity and views what ought to be done to those that perpetrate harm against their fellow man much differently than people in southeast New Mexico and I suspect the other rural parts of the state. We believe in this part of the state that those that that perpetrate crimes on their fellow man need to do the time, need to be incarcerated, need to do the time that the judge has set before them. The folks in the metropolitan areas or in the Rio Grande Corridor believe that everybody deserves a second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth chance and that they ought to just simply be told not to do it again and not to confine them to the penitentiary. And so there's a different view on what criminal justice reform means. And and I told the Albuquerque Roadrunners when they came to Roswell, I said, criminal justice reform means something different in southeast New Mexico than in Albuquerque. In Albuquerque, it means let them go through the revolving door and turn them back out and hope that they won't do it again. In southeast New Mexico, criminal justice reform means putting people in jail, making them pay their debt to society before they have a chance of getting let out. And hopefully they will decide not to go back to that way of life. Maybe there's some middle ground there. Maybe we need to do a little of both. But I can tell you, letting these violent offenders out because we decided that everybody should not have to go to jail is silly, and it's a danger to society. We have perpetrators out there whose only role in life is to cause danger to their fellow man, and those people need to be locked up, and they shouldn't be allowed to prey on our citizens. You're listening today to Representative Greg Nybert from Chavez County, longtime friend and legislator from that area for four years, doing a dramatic job. Representative, we really appreciate you being on the show today. And I appreciate your service. I appreciate your willingness to come on the program today. Again, Greg Nybert, representative from Chavez County. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Steve Pierce and I will be back with more Inside New Mexico in a moment. National Guard and Reserve members are true leaders, both in the military and in the workplace. They are highly skilled and get the job done every day. Employer support of the Guard and Reserve, ESGR, can help you recruit top-notch service members to your workforce. Hiring Guard and Reserve members is good for your business and good for your community. Visit esgr.mil employers to learn more. Welcome back to Inside New Mexico as I continue my conversation with our chairman of the Republican Party of New Mexico, Steve Pierce. For folks that don't know about Candace Owens, she's a a very interesting, I guess, a, a political commentator, right? Yes, she actually is working for Prager University, and if our listeners have not checked in on Prager, it's P-R-A-G-E-R, Prager University, and he has these little five-minute clips on every issue that you can imagine. He's been doing it for several years, and all of those clips are stockpiled, and you can look at them, but it's as thorough a conservative learning lab as you can come upon in the internet, and Candace Owen is one of his people that works for him. She also has her own syndicated radio show. A young conservative black in America today is just a standout, and I wanted people to listen to an exchange she had in Congress. She was testifying in front of Congress, and of course, 
congressional representatives get to ask the questions and then they control their five minutes. You only get five minutes, but you control it. And so Representative Lou from California makes a statement about something she said, but does not give her a chance to speak. And in this ability for your average citizen to testify in front of Congress and to hold the congressional representatives to a standard of truth is only true in America. So that's the reason I want you to hear it. We must defend our freedoms, especially the freedom of speech, the freedom of thought, the freedom to pursue our own beliefs. And Candace Owen is, again, one of the the, the leading lights in the conservative movement today. I think she's a Democrat, to tell you the truth, a strong defender of Trump, a strong defender of constitutional and political liberty. Listen as we play that clip. I believe, Ms. Owens, when you used the word hilarious, it was in it was referencing the fact that no one had asked you a question. It wasn't to the subject matter of the hearing. Is that right? That is correct. And for ha to have another witness insinuate something that is not accurate is just not appropriate, Mr. Chairman, for how witnesses are supposed to behave in front of this committee. I also think you didn't say it doesn't matter about the subject matter of today's hearing. You said there are other subjects that matter as well, and maybe we should spend some time on those. Is that accurate? That is correct, and they matter much, 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 much more. And I have said that. I said that in my opening, and I will say it again. You know that white supremacy and white nationalism is nowhere near, ranks nowhere near the top of the issues that are facing black America. And the reason that you are bringing them up in this room is because it is attempt to make the election all about race as the Democrats Not in do. my case, Ms. Please Owens. I'm sorry. Off. Please it's do my, not characterize Ms. my motives. Mr. Chairman, it's my time. Yeah, you, it's my got, time. You've got your time, Mr. Meadows. I'll Every give you three more seconds. Every four years, you bring up race, and you knew exactly what I meant when I said hilarious, and you just tried to do live what the media does all the time to Republicans, to our president, and to conservatives, which you tried to manipulate what I said to fit your narrative, okay? I was not referring to the subject matter that is hilarious. I said it's hilarious that we are sitting in this room today, and I've got two doctors and a missus, and nobody can give us real numbers that we can respond to so we can assess how big of a threat this is, because you know that it is not as big of a threat as you are trying to make it out to be so that you can manipulate, and the audacity of you to bring up the Christchurch shooting manifesto and make it seem as if I laughed at people that were slaughtered by a homicidal maniac is, in my opinion, absolutely despicable. And I think that we should be above that. To try to assign reality or any meaning to a homicidal maniac writing a manifesto, which, by the way, let the record show, also stated Spyro the Dragon, the child's cartoon, as a source of inspiration. He also cited Nelson Mandela as a source of information. I don't think, I don't think that Nelson Mandela has inspired mosque shootings. You can correct me if you think I'm wrong. You, are, you would rather assign meaning to a homicidal maniac than to actually address that I said to, the things that I said today that are actually harming black America. Number one, father absence. Number two, the education system and the illiteracy rate. Illegal immigration ranks high, abortion ranks high, white supremacy and white nationalism, if I had to make a list again of 100 things, would not be on it. This hearing, in my opinion, is a farce. And it is ironic that you're sitting here and you're having three Caucasian people testify and tell you what their expertise are. Do I know what my expertise are? black in America. I've been black in America my whole life, all 30 years, and I can tell you that you guys have done the exact same thing every four years ahead of an election cycle, and it needs to stop. 
C.S. Lewis has, he was writing during the time when people were alarmed that the Russians were going to hit us with a nuclear weapon and people were digging fallout shelters in their backyard so they could go down in there and hunker down and, and protect themselves in the case of a nuclear release from a nuclear weapon. And that was a fear in the, the 50s. And so his thoughts are very, very applicable today. So he says, how are we to live in an atomic age? I'm tempted to reply, why, as you would have lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year, or you would have lived in Viking age when raiders from Scandinavia might land and cut your throat any night. So C.S. Lewis says that if the bomb were to hit, it would not make any difference. And so go about your life living in joy with the understanding that maybe something catastrophic is going to happen, but at least you're not living in fear and cowering in your basement. Live with the full joy that you want to experience every day. Then if catastrophe happens, then deal with it at that point. So I think those words are especially applicable for us today. Again, before we end today, a good friend of mine from Congress, a Democrat, one of the few pro-life Democrats that served in Congress, Daniel Lipinski. He's out of the Chicago area. He was sadly defeated in the primary race. So the Democrats are proving that there is no room in their party for anybody who is pro-life. They don't want them as voters. They don't want them as representatives. One more time, the Democrat Party really proves up to the rest of us that if you're conservative, you're going to just have to become a Republican or an independent. They don't want you in that party. I just think that we've got to pay attention to what it is that Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders are saying on their campaigns for president. They both would implement socialism in this country. Socialism is the problem with many economies. It is not the solution to many economies. So stand for truth, stand for justice. Again, we want to say as we close out the program, thanks to our guest, Greg Nybert, the representative from Chavez County. Thanks for his great work in the state legislature. And Derek, thanks to you and your team for the production of this program every week. We want to say a shout out to our radio stations. If you're a listener, call in to your radio station and give them a word of thanks. They are these programs free of charge every week. And we just want to say thank you to them because it's what makes it possible for us to get you just a little bit deeper look at some of the news stories of the week and of the year. So again, thanks to all of you for listening. We will be talking to you next week when we air Inside New Mexico. Be sure and stay engaged with what's happening at your Republican Party of New Mexico by going to www.gopnm.org. You can get the latest news, upcoming events, information about elected officials, voter resources, and all kinds of important user information about the party and its mission. You can also listen to previous editions of this program. The party has a Facebook page and a Twitter account. The handle is at New Mexico GOP. If you'd like to volunteer or get more information about the Republican Party of New Mexico, call party headquarters at 505-298-3662. That's 505-298-3662. I'm Derek Underhill. Thanks for listening. I'll look forward to meeting with you again next week right here on Inside New Mexico.